Welcome to the Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEO Podcast. I'm Martin Harshberger, President of Measurable Results, LLC, and martinharshberger.com. I'm a retired CEO of both a manufacturing company and a third-party logistics company. We were lucky enough to grow both to eight-figure organizations. I've been consulting with small and mid-tier companies for the past 16 years. Our mission with this podcast is to provide a forum to help CEOs in these critical industries share their stories, share best practices, and learn from each other. If you'd like to be a guest in our podcast, go to www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. Each interview will take about 30 minutes. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome back to Manufacturing Supply Chain CEOs. I'm your host, Mike Freeman. We have another great episode in store for you today. Our guest is Tim Herald, co-owner and president of Herald Precision. You can find out more about Tim and his company at heraldprecision.com. That's H-E-R-O-L-D, precision.com. Tim, thanks for taking the time today. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me. Uh, If you could let our listeners know a little bit more about Herald Precision Metals and what it is you guys do. Herald Precision Metals was founded in 1997. We were a greenfield startup um, by myself and my brother, Pat, um, which meant we had the plant, we had the equipment, and we had no customers. Um, So spent the first three years building the business, didn't take a paycheck for the first three years. Um, Just uh, went out and got after it with with a customer base and said, if you'll give us one opportunity, uh, we'll do our best not to let you down. And if we don't, can we have another? And um, it worked. Today, we're a 110,000 square foot facility, approximately 110 uh, team members. We are a precision sheet metal fabricator. We build and produce um, racks, enclosures, uh, card cages, bracket systems for uh, computer, telecom, security ID, medical, agricultural, automotive, defense, and point of sales um, display work and audiovisual mounting brackets. Wow. Awesome. I did look a little bit on the website. Uh, for a lot of our listeners who are entrepreneurs and in the supply chain space, uh, can you delve into a little bit about those first few years? You didn't take a paycheck. Um, you know, Maybe there's some valuable lessons you can share with our audience. Well, um, we were blessed by the fact that uh, we were able to get our first six months of rent free uh, because we had a a building owner who was in the retirement stage getting out and he made a deal with us that if if we were to clean his building, he would give us the first six months free. And in that building, they mixed uh, pigment uh, for changing the color of brick for storefronts. And it was a very dirty deal. Uh, Every weekend, basically went home, threw those clothes in the garbage because there was no getting it out. But it also got us six months of of free rent. Building on relationships is probably the most important thing. Um, I grew up in a shop uh, where it was a great facility. One of the things I didn't like was uh, a lack of relationship with our core vendor base. And so when I wrote the business plan for HPM, one of my hallmarks was I want a solid relationship where I can trust them and they can trust me. And so I sat down with a primary and a secondary uh, for every key commodity that we needed to purchase and um, said, if you'll give me volume pricing today when I only need one piece or one sheet, uh, I'll be with you forever. 
And our vendor base now, 24 years later, is about 92 to 94% intact from that original vendor base. So I would say that if you really want to um, execute your vision of owning your own company, I I honestly believe relationships are the most important. Um, When the markets are are troublesome, um, they're going to be there for you. They're They're going to do everything they can to make sure you get your goods. Um, if they can trust you. And if you want to be able to service your ultimate customer, you've got to have the proper supply chain to do that. So I would say, honestly, the most important thing is the relationship part of it. Wow, that's excellent advice and a a great story as far as um, uh, it it may have sounded great getting six months of free rent, but... (laughs) you know, blood, sweat, and tears and uh, sweat equity, as they say. So, well, um, I don't know. I don't know what was more pressure, the bank or the mother-in-law. I can't remember now. um, (laughs) Yes, it it was hard work, but it was worth it. That's excellent. Uh, I want to continue with that. Uh, Relationships is very important. How has this past year strengthened or even uh, increased? I would imagine you've had to develop some new relationships via Zoom. Uh, Can you Tell us a little bit about that as well. Yeah. Um, when the when things started to shut down due to COVID, obviously we were a required uh, industry. Um, and our, our network is, our, our material suppliers, our platers, our painters, our fastener suppliers. So one of the things that we did was we would have a once a week check-in with every major vendor partner. You know, how are you doing? Um, do you face any issues or do you have any potential hiccups? Uh, we're in this thing together. I mean, I can't service my customers if they're, if they're not able to service me. So again, the communication was key, just weekly communication on where are you at? How are you doing? Are there any issues? Is there anything I can help with? Um, that was probably the most important thing going through the last 12 to 15 months. Awesome. And uh, your suppliers and some of the other companies you do business with, um, how has those relationships, I would imagine they've been through some struggles as well. Um, Have you seen with some of the other different CEOs we speak with, uh, what have been the biggest issues with these relationships? Has it been personnel? Has it been the supply chain? what do you see some of the biggest struggles in your industry, especially with the last 12 months and now what we hope is a prosperous future? I would say, number one, the lack of face-to-face contact, uh, the inability to be able to sit down across the table from one another and discuss issues or just have a common check-in. Um, Zoom is wonderful, um, but it's not as personal as being able to sit face-to-face with each other. Sure. Um, grateful to have it, but it's it's nice to be able to get face to face. So I would say, from our customer network to our our vendor partner network, uh, the inability to be able to talk to each other other than on the phone or on Zoom was hard on everybody. Um, interior wise, within the company itself, um, you know, we were a, a required workforce. So everybody was here, um, and that was very nice. So we didn't we didn't lose anything necessarily inside the building because we were always able to be here together. Um, you know, it's very tough. Uh, I can't exactly relocate a piece of capital equipment to somebody's garage and run a fifty mile extension cord. You just right. can't do that. we we need to be here. Um, so internally, 
we, I'd say we weathered it pretty well. Um, but we also engaged our wellness committee uh, pretty significantly as well. Um, trying to make sure that we did the proper number of check-ins with everybody. Hey, how are you doing? How's your family doing? How are your kids doing? How are, how are your kids doing with school? Is there anything that you need help with? Um, or do you just want to talk? Is you want to vent? Is there, is it bothering you? Um, obviously there was a lot of frustration, uh, with this and, and that frustration was all around us. Um, frustrated about, uh, you can't go to a store, you can't go to a bar or a restaurant, you can't take your family out. You're worried about your kids um, being educated within a silo and how's that going? Um, you know, so, you know, there's pressure everywhere. It's, you know, you about the only free time that people would laugh, the only free time you had was your downtime in the car going from work to home or home to work because as soon as you get home, there's a whole new kind of work because of the frustrations that your kids are having um, with, with, with school and the inability to socialize. Um, and, that, and that too, from a, from a company standpoint, is difficult because one of the things that we've always done is I'm a big believer in communication. And quite a long time ago, I picked up on the fact that, um, you know, you have your regular staff meetings, you have your quality meetings, you have your leadership meetings, you say, okay, go talk to your teams. And you talk to your people on the floor, and it's kind of like the phone game. Um, I told you one thing, and by the time it, it goes down levels, it's either gone or completely different. Sure. So we started a once a month all plant meeting, and it morphed into uh, moving it from scheduled at noon to uh, let's schedule it at 2.30 and let's get the second shift, bring them in and let's have the, uh, let's have everybody together so that everybody hears the same message at the same time. And so once a month, we would do what I call my state of the union. Okay, here, here's our deliveries for last month. What was our on-time delivery? Um, I go through people in the news, like if there's somebody within the plant or a group a department that did something super cool, let them get recognized in front of the entire company. Um, employee anniversaries, employee birthdays. Then our quality group gets up and gives their spiel on our metrics from the previous month. Uh, production does the same. Um, sales and account management gets up and speaks to a customer. You know, this is what we make. This is where it goes. Because a lot of the parts we, we make, they're, they're interior to something. Um, so unless you know they're there, you don't know they're there. So it's nice to let our people see where their parts are going. Um, and then our wellness committee gets up and, and talks to everybody about, you know, things that we have going on, company events, uh, and then ultimately the employee of the month, um, who was recognized as the employee of the month and um, let them get recognized by any, everybody. And that was our means by which to communicate and ensure that everybody got the same message at the same time um, and, and that there was total clarity. And when we had to shut that off due to the distancing, it was hard on everybody. I mean, I, I walked the floor five, six, seven times a day, talked to everybody, see how things are going. And the constant question was, when do we get to have the all plant meeting again? And it was so refreshing. Uh, in February, we had our first one and it was a blast. And then we had ours in March and the um, May meeting or for April is tomorrow. So I'm excited for that. Uh, it's just great to have it again because the people love it. 
Excellent. And that's valuable insight uh, into your company and for everyone listening, um, how you've been able to, I would imagine your employee retention is, is very high. Well, we have two kinds of people. Um, our, I called it, you know, we have our skilled set and our unskilled set. Our skilled set, our turnover is near zero. Um, I like to think that's because of the culture that we try to provide. It is a family-based culture. Um, the unskilled side, I'm probably no different than anybody else. Um, you know, will you please come to work every day? Will you please come to work on time? Um, we try to do our best we can. Um, it's tough. It's tough. But uh, I'd say overall, our our company, um, we try to watch out for one another and we try to make sure that everybody's in a good position. Um, we have a very robust training system that we do internally in all the key departments. Um, we give everybody an opportunity. And, and I like I always tell them, we can put you on a roadmap, but it's up to you as to how hard you want to press on the accelerator. Right. We'll give her the opportunity, but it's 100% up to you. Right. Awesome. Love it. Um, what do you see are maybe some of the biggest challenges moving forward, 2021, 2022? Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, boy. Can I ever. Um, <laughs> our biggest challenge right now is excessive material cost and rapid material cost acceleration. Um, we produce parts that use cold rolled steel, hot roll pickle and oil, stainless steel, aluminum, and pre-plated steel metals. Um, since September 1st, our raw material cost for Cold, common cold rolled steel is up 135%. Wow. It is up 62% since January 1st. Um, heavy plate, hot roll pickle and oil, that's up almost 150% since September 1st. 76% since January 1st. Wow. Um, right now, stainless steel is on spot buy only, which means if you were to place an order with me today, it requires stainless steel, I'm going to have to say, Mike, I've received your order. It requires stainless steel. With your permission, I'd like to load it, cut the material order, order obtain the material purchase order confirmation from our supplier with the price, and then I can tell you what it's going to cost you. Um, it's it's We're in an unheard of time right now from a manufacturing side. Um, I've got my 24 years worth of, of raw material pricing records um, I've got someone else is going back to 1970. I have never seen an acceleration so quick and so high and it keeps going. And I don't know if it's going to be sustainable to be quite honest with you. At some point in time, customers are going to start delaying projects, um, start making hard decisions on whether do they really need this. Um, it is a cost in excess right now that I just don't quite understand. And it's happening in the wood industry, uh, the construction industry. They, they're missing, you know, they've, they've got critical component shortages. Um, and I'm kind of fascinated that it has not hit the major news networks as hard as I would think it should, considering what's going on. I mean, obviously, automotive prices are going to start escalating very quickly because of it. Yeah, I'm in Orlando where it I mean, they just build houses constantly and uh, 
uh, yeah, lumber and the cost of building a house has just increased. Uh, I think they, uh, I think I read something that, uh, minimum $25,000 more to build a house, uh, just cause of the price of lumber. Uh, if you had a crystal ball, what do you think is, is going to happen to alleviate either the price or what's the breaking point? I think the breaking point will be if, 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 uh, the top tier of the industrial chain starts pushing back on the pricing, um, pricing in excess, um, at some point in time, it cannot continue to accelerate. And that's part of the problem is that if you talk to most customers, are they willing to accept the higher pricing? No, but yes. Their biggest issue is give me something that I can keep for a quarter. Um, give me something that I can rely on. Frankly, right now, if you use market pricing to competitively bid, I can quote something for you today and be effectively have an invalid quote within two to three weeks. Wow. Um, which is, you know, it's, it's not good business. It's not good business for my customer base. It's not good business for my vendor base. Um, it's not good business for anybody. And to your point about construction, I have three close friends that are um, build homes and all of them say the same thing. Uh, if you built a $400,000 home this time last year, that $400,000 home is going to cost you somewhere between Four fifty and four sixty five for the exact same thing today. Yeah, and that that's 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 a shocking figure, um, which goes to why it's. I just don't see how this can be sustainable in the long term. Um, you look at cold rolled steel. There, someone's going to have to explain to me how someone can justify a hundred and thirty five percent increase in seven or eight months. Right. Well, I know we're not all doom and gloom. I know you do have a positive outlook as well. Is there any any uh, projects or anything down the pipeline, so to say, for uh, Herald Precision where uh, you can share some of that as well? Sure. Um, we are big believers in staying on top of technology. Um, so we're pretty bold on investing in the, in the, in the families of HPM. Um, our latest technology that we've just deployed, it actually I signed off on it last week, it's now in full production, is a uh, automated forming system. Um, approximately 56 feet long, it's a big piece of equipment. It's a Salvanini P4XE, which is a um, auto load, auto automated uh, process and automated unload uh, for parts that are up to 60 inches wide to 120 inches long and it can form up to 12 gauge in thickness which is right in our wheelhouse and uh i'm excited for that you know part of the roi on that piece of equipment is actually employee wellness um we have a lot of larger parts that we produce and in a mechanical press break sometimes it takes two sometimes it might take three people to form that part it's big it's heavy it's cumbersome um form that thing for a 40-hour work week and you're tired um, so part of our, part of our ROI was the wellness for our people that, you know, let's get something in here. That's, that's more efficient, more capable of handling this stuff and give them a break. Not to mention, it's also, um, a game changer in terms of quality, because if you have two or sometimes three people holding a part that's being formed, um, 
no one can guarantee that you won't have a misgauge throughout a 40 hour work week. It's just, it's just impossible. Um, so automating this process that completely eliminates the opportunity for a misgauge. So I'm excited about that. And it opens up our personnel to be able to form the parts that we need them to form. Um, so this was not a in replace of piece, uh, personnel. This was to open up our personnel for additional capacity because yes, we do have a strategic plan that we work by. We're in year number three of it. And um, I'm responsible for, for some growth expectations this year. And part of that is that we have to have the people in the process to do it. And where technology can help us with that to be competitive and be efficient, um, it's great. So we're excited about that. Excellent. Using innovation and technology to make uh, work more efficient. That's awesome. Oh, it's a fun piece of equipment. It's it's incredible to watch. Very cool. Um, Tim, is there anything else you'd like to uh, discuss or mention before our time is almost up today? Um, all I can say is thank you very much for the opportunity. Um, I'm excited for what we have going on. Um, we'll deal with the material issues. Everybody's finding a way to be able to deal through it. But, um, you know, we're excited. Uh, you know, to the cus potential customer community out there, our goal is simple. We want to be a, a valued vendor partner. Um, we, we love the aspect of, of being able to get engaged with manufacturing engineering to um, eliminate cost at the design level prior to parts going into production. That's where you can get the best cost savings is up front. Um, look at that design, look at those parts, how do they go together, what can be eliminated, what can be combined. Uh, we do have a very robust 25,000 square foot uh, mechanical and electrical assembly division. And um, we're not afraid to go as high into a bill of material that a customer would like us to do. If that makes them more efficient in their facility, it's a win-win for everybody. So if there's anybody out there that is, that is in need of a, a valued precision sheet metal um, partner, we'd be more than happy to engage. Excellent. And uh, great interview, um, building relationships, communication, uh, certainly key to having a successful business. Um, I know you've been in business over 20 years. After being able to converse with you, I can only imagine that there'll be another 20 successful years ahead. So uh, I look forward to uh, following Herald Precision. Uh, Tim, let everybody know where they can find out more about you and your company. Look us up at www.heraldprecision.com, H-E-R-O-L-D. Excellent. Tim Harold, Harold Precision Metals, excellent guest, valuable information. Um, definitely going to have to go back and listen to this one again. Uh, so we very much appreciate your time, Tim. And to all our listeners out there, I hope you enjoyed this episode and we will see you next time on another Manufacturing Supply Chain CEOs. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. If you're a successful CEO in manufacturing or supply chain and would like to be part of the program, please visit www.martinharsberger.com apply. If you got some value out of the interview, please share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that would make a great guest, tag them and let them know about the show. Again, our mission is to focus on manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. We'd like to share your story and provide industry trends and updates that would interest our listeners. 
we're regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss an episode, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and interviews go a long way in promoting the show. You can connect with me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Martin Harshberger or through my website, www.martinharshberger.com. Again, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening.